0: You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast on the 5x5 Network.
1: You're listening to episode 334, and I'm your host, Brittany Martin. Michael Springer is a software engineer at Jazz HR based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He received a computer science degree from Slippery Rock University and spends his free time tinkering on hobbyist projects ranging from writing chatbots to building plastic robots. He has a voice that you should all be very familiar with. Welcome to the show as a guest, Michael.
0: You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. We did that
1: already, silly. But, Michael, what is your developer origin story?
0: Uh, Okay, well, that's so... It goes back to when I was younger, I really wanted to build video games and as a kid and in the nineties, that information is nowhere near as available as it is today. So kind of gave up on that. Uh, But when I was a teenager in high school, I got access to internet-based resources and I would print off um, the HTML tutorials that I found online. And I would like, just like write stuff by hand and then write it back in notepad and try to make really crude web pages. And that kind of like pushed me towards a path of web design and um, trying to go uh, into a web design program when I started looking into colleges and opted for just the computer science program uh, at Slippery Rock because they said you can make not just web pages but you know more, and I was like, oh well, more sounds interesting, and uh, it's kind of like how I ended up here.
1: So, can you tell me a little bit about Jazz HR and its technical stack?
0: Sure. Uh, Jazz HR is a applicant tracking system. Uh, it's been around for a about close to 10 years now, or a little bit over at this point. I It's hard to keep track. Uh, there's been at least two rebrands uh, since I've been there. One was just adding the HR at the end. Uh, the technical stack, it's based on PHP. Uh, we run Symfony for our back backend uh, for the most part. And then the front end is AngularJS running with uh, TypeScript uh, for the newer front end components that we build out.
1: So I know you started at Jazz HR in an operations support role, which I actually think a lot of listeners who are listening, this has happened to. So can you talk about how your role has evolved over the years?
0: Yeah. um, So it started out uh, being like the sole operations support uh, person, along with a lead who was in charge of uh, the test suite and end-to-end testing. And... uh, There's kind of this problem of what we like to refer to as like bus theory, as I was like the one of like, maybe a handful of people who knew very like deep innards about the application itself. Uh, Most of the other teams were all focused on new feature development. So I would end up being tasked with like the bug fixes for the older parts of the application stack.
1: Do you have any advice in how to get away from bus theory? Uh,
0: Document everything you do. Uh, It it just literally comes down to if you're doing something and you're the only one who knows about that thing, write it down. Because I've I've actually been in a situation where I uh, was contacted because my teammates didn't know how to deploy a thing because I was the one who did it. Never assume that your teammates are gonna know everything you know. It's important to document things. And it's, some people can consider that as a way to like work yourself out of a job. I think it's the opposite. It's making yourself more valuable because you're helping uh, improve the value for everyone else.
1: I agree with you, and I think it also ensures that you can actually take vacation. I know throughout the pandemic, people are feeling kind of guilty about taking vacations and feel that even though they might be doing a staycation and ju- they're just at home, they still feel like they have to be readily available to cover anything that was- isn't well documented and that they're the only person who knows what to do there. And so I just find it incredibly important that you shouldn't have to be contacted so well we've been working at home since the pandemic started of course so what's really cool is that you've gotten into some interesting hobbies and projects that i thought other developers might find inspiring first off let's talk about 3d printing why did you pick this hobby
0: um so 3d printing is something that i like always had an interest in doing it's just a problem of affordability um And luckily, as time has gone on and some patents have expired, uh, the method uh, I ended up uh, investing into, which is uh, FDM printing, or uh, it's basically extrusion of filaments through a nozzle, uh, or 2D printing, just a lot stacked over and over again. Uh, I got into it because it was always interesting to me. Uh, i wanted to try my hand at some sort of manufacturing, even if it's like at home. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of things that can be done without having to like learn woodworking or like machine, like machining, like metals. And it, it's kind of one of those things that like, you can apply to more things than you realize. Uh, And then one of the bigger things for me is with a a hobby in plastic models, it definitely like fit the bill. It was a way to like either learn 3D modeling and try some stuff out for what's referred to as scratch building or just a way to get a hold of some open source or even paid um, 3D models to build things that I would like to have like miniatures for uh, tabletop gaming.
1: That's awesome. So do you have any favorite projects that you've printed so far?
0: Uh, My favorite project right now is actually a tool to measure bolts and nuts, uh, which sounds a bit odd, but it's more valuable than you'd realize. Traditionally, you would, you know, take a nut or bolt to like a hardware store and like try to find a match if you didn't know the exact measurements. Uh, This allowed me to... be able to order replacements online just by aligning it to the tool. And it's one of those projects that I was able to find uh, for free online under a Creative Commons license.
1: Yes, which leads me to my next question. So tell me about the platform I regularly see you perusing for new ideas.
0: So what you typically see me on is Thingiverse by MakerBot. It is a platform uh, targeted towards makers to upload, their projects and typically they're under some sort of creative commons license. I don't believe the platform has any sort of monetization model for selling things, though they do exist uh, elsewhere online. You can um, tip thing, tip people for things and uh, one of the bigger aspects to it is not just downloading the files, but the ability to remix. It's almost similar to uh, GitHub where you can fork a project and kind of like fi- like follow the way people have forked and remixed a 3D model into different things and maybe find something that better suits uh, your needs.
1: Would you compare Thingiverse to open source and software?
0: Uh, it is pretty much aligned with that. Uh, I mean, you don't exactly have like the raw, like object file. Sometimes most of the time you just have what's referred to as an STL or a stereolithograph file. Uh, and, but like, given how these things work, you can just open one up in blender and then, you know, just edit the model in a few different ways and then re-upload it uh, depending upon the creative commons license, of course.
1: That makes sense. So, moving on to my favorite project that you've worked on while we've been home, Busy Light. So, what is Busy Light, and where did the idea originate from?
0: So, Busy Light is quite literally a light to indicate when I'm busy. Uh, the The project originated from a issue where it was hard to discern whether or not I'm on a call. Uh, that's common because. In the case of like pair programming, or in certain um, meetings, it's not obvious to a person walking by that you're on a phone call with someone, or that you're in a you know a chat with several people. You just you might not see the camera. You might see a slide deck or uh, someone's code screen, which could just look like my my screen. Um, I had originally investigated, you know, some manual approaches which involve like an led switch but then that requires you know manually flipping a thing on and off and that's kind of a pain in the butt and you really don't want to do that all day uh so i was like oh clearly there's probably got to be like a software-based solution for this and there are there are plenty of commercialized products you can buy but they're all targeting something like skype or microsoft teams and I work in a shop that uses Slack as our primary communication. So I kept digging and I found a project online. Someone had clearly outlined every step of it, uh, making use of Raspberry Pi, a LED board, and they even included their own Python-based server software and a a plugin, I guess, for a some sort of home bridge based software, but theirs was targeting, once again, Microsoft Teams. So I used that as my basis and rolled my own Slack integration uh, to work with it. And it's just a matter of a cron job running and polling for my status in Slack and updating it via the API that's exposed.
1: That's great. I have told so many people about BusyLight and they immediately say take my money because everyone throughout the pandemic, if you're at home with a partner, this is a very common use case that might be happening to everyone. And so I seriously love BusyLight and it's been very useful already.
0: Yeah. I can't take complete credit for it, but it is definitely something that's I think is affordable to implement compared to the, um, the more commercialized uh, solutions.
1: So like any project, you're never really done. Do you have any ideas for a future version
0: too? Um, a limited set, I guess. I would like to open source my Slack integration portion of it. Uh, and then another part of it is support for more than just busy... Or available statuses, uh, as we've experienced already, where I will set my status like for lunch or away for work, and you will see a red light, even though I'm clearly not busy or busy in the sense that you know I'm unavailable to you.
1: One thing that I would like to see is currently busy light is only um, applicable to your Slack status, and so the idea that we could share busy light and be able to do a diff between both of our Slack statuses to basically say you know green light for both people to be able to interact would be a really neat feature.
0: Yeah, that would be that would be kind of uh, an interesting way, or could even split the LED board to have like one half be one person's status and one half be another person's status and then if they both align that will be uh kind of neat although i'd probably need to move it away from just me to like a more centralized location
1: yes that makes sense and we can actually use the uh the rainbow variation that you showed me
0: oh yeah that was
1: So lastly, one of my favorite changes we have made this year was converting our second bedroom into a home gym. The trouble is, and a lot of people have probably run into this, is that fitness equipment is now really hard to come by because inventory goes so quickly. So I came to you with this problem, and what was your solution in this case?
0: Well, uh, my solution, although I do have I I guess I shouldn't question the ethics of it. I I see this as more of a finding a solution through my own means. Uh, I was like, why don't you just write a bot to do it? Because a bot can do it much faster than you can. And so that's what I did.
1: What libraries did you use in order to implement the shop bot?
0: Uh, So the shop bot is implemented in Node.js. I primarily leverage Cheerio, which is referred to as like the jQuery for Node.js, and Puppeteer, which is a Chrome uh, automation library for Node.js.
1: So the way that we're able to keep those ethical, listeners, is that... Mike set up this bot to purchase some inventory that I wanted for my own personal use. And I am thrilled to say that it worked. On Thursday, I got an order confirmation for the very inventory that I wanted that was only available for about 60 seconds on the the site. Now, because I've gotten the inventory that I want, ShopBot will now be retired. But it just shows you that there are many modern solutions to modern problems.
0: I like to think of it as the equivalent of someone who has skills in like woodworking or some sort of machining for, you know, solving problems around their house or in their life. Uh, So I'm just doing the same thing, but with software.
1: I agree. So I'm curious on your stance on this and I have a feeling which way you're going to answer, but when building things to implement and learn, do you need to seek perfection?
0: Oh no. Um, When you're learning, which is, it's kind of hard to like determine like how do you want to learn and it's like you'd think that you want to go through like a tutorial but then you're now just copying stuff uh and in this case you learn through finding like a project or like coming to a solution for something that you need to get done which is the best way to like learn things that are not going to be along like the happy paths. And when it comes to perfection, I mean, if you try to finish something at a perfect state, then you'll never be done. Uh, so I just think that it's ideal to shoot for what is, some people like to call the MVP, or I preferred, I wish I could remember the person who termed, coined this term, which was the SLC, the simple, lovable, but complete state where it does exactly what it needs to do and you can like iterate upon it from there.
1: I love that. So one thing about you, Michael, and what makes you such a great partner is that you are very generous with your time. So with 3D printing, I've seen you print off projects for friends when they've had a long lost toy that they're missing a part on. And then of course with BusyLight and ShopBot, you implemented those for me by having the projects you know almost tagged to someone who's waiting for them does that create additional motivation for you to get it
0: done um sometimes it helps better establish a deadline over something that i know that like for instance my own website i had been like working on that for the better part of a year and and it's because i'm the one who's you know in charge of that deadline and i you know me going an extra day without having it doesn't really, you know, cause a problem. But for the instance of like printing parts for someone who needs something repaired, or in the case of the busy light, you know, every day that goes by is another day of, you know, confusion.
1: Well, you had a snag with Busy Light where you first got a Raspberry Pi in the mail, you got it all set up, Busy Light was starting to work, and then all of a sudden it failed. And so at that point, I believe you had to order a new one and basically put the project on hold, knowing that you still needed to come back to it.
0: Yeah, that was an instance of I had acquired the LED board and it shorted out, uh, which was a bit of a shame and also a a good learning example of how to debug hardware because that is very far out of my wheelhouse
1: do you believe that once you start a hobby you really need to see it through or is it okay to experiment with many different hobbies just to find one that's a good fit
0: i think it's important to try out many hobbies to see what you like but i don't think it's a good idea to over invest into something when you're just dipping your toes in the water
1: i agree Now, with the three hobbies that we mentioned during this podcast, they're all somewhat related to code and somewhat related to what you do for a living. Do you find it important to have hobbies that are completely unrelated to software?
0: Absolutely. Um, I think it's an important way to maintain a healthy state of mind. I have hobbies that are nothing to do with software, uh, just more physical building And I think that helps you keep things fresh. You don't end up in this weird state of burnout where you spend all day writing software and then you go home and you still write more software. Uh, Like it's, you have to have time to take a break. I mean, sure there are people who do nothing but eat, sleep and breathe software. And for them that may work, but it's not for everyone.
1: I totally agree. So, Michael, how can listeners follow you?
0: Uh, Well, they can follow me by uh, finding me, first off, on Twitter. Uh, My handle is SPRNGR underscore. Uh, Could not get the original one. Uh, I also have my GitHub, which is SPRNGR at GitHub, and my personal website, which is still... A work in progress but i think that's a good example of iterating as you go and that is sprngr.com
1: awesome well it was so great to have you on the show listeners just so you know michael can be credited with the improved audio on the show he can be credited for both the intro and outro and he really does support me in creating this podcast so it was great to have you on
0: it was good to be on finally